Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cashflow Legends, where we really hone in on teaching you ways, thinking through ways to keep more of your money. Simple as that. Then once you keep it, then you can start learning how to make it go out and make more for you in a way that allows you to accomplish the things that matter to you the most and the areas that matter to you the most. Money is just a tool. And we're going to be talking about today how money being just a tool, if it's just a tool, how can it often create so much stinking fear? That doesn't make sense. It would be like a shovel sitting in the corner and you're afraid it's going to come out of the corner and hit you over the head without somebody grabbing it and swinging it. That's the same kind of thing that money can do to us. We can all speak on that. I'm excited about diving into that today. I think a big piece that we all have to recognize with this fear aspect of money is first recognizing that it's real. Then second, recognizing, am I going to do something about understanding where it comes from? And then third, once I understand where it comes from, now what am I going to do about it? Or am I going to continue to live in fear? So, Nate, dive in for us real quick. What is financial fear? What does that look like? What does it mean? What do you see daily? So comparing it to a tool makes this really easy to to comprehend because what what we have been trained to believe and really what kind of what we've been indoctrinated in is money's a tool, but it's a very complicated tool. Like if there was a backhoe sitting in my driveway right now and and somebody told me to go out there and go do something with it, like, hey, <laughs> you know, go whatever, you know, what, go just, dig a trench, go start it. Yeah. Dig a trench, whatever. I like that would create a little bit of fear for me and probably fear for the people around me because <laughs> I wouldn't know what I was doing because I haven't been educated on that. I haven't learned enough about it. So the more you understand about the tool of money, the less complicated it becomes. You know, you compared it, you know, you mentioned the shovel. So it might seem like a backhoe, but once you dive in and understand how money actually works, it's as simple as a shovel. Mm. And that that fear comes from just the misunderstanding of what money actually is. All right. Is there any deeper level of financial fear that you want to touch on, Brock, that you see daily or an, a path you want to really break down? I mean, this could go a thousand different ways, but yeah. what, what jumps out to you as far as either understanding financial fear or the psychology. I really like the example of the shovel and the backhoe. And it's really just knowledge. Because if mm -hmm. you've ever seen anybody operate a backhoe who's been doing it their whole life, it's like, it's akin to me operating a shovel. Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, I know how to smoothly operate a shovel because I've at least done that. So what's yeah. jumping into your brain? Well, what's first jumping into my brain is the fact like, no matter how complicated things get or not complicated, there's always rules in, in which you need to operate with like 
when it comes to a backhoe, I'm like, Nate, I, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Okay. I could tell you if I saw it, I would immediately say, oh man, I want to drive that thing, but I don't know anything about it. But with a shovel, you know, I always hear the, my grandmother in the back of my head saying, Hey, put it where it's face down. Make sure it's not, the point's not up because you'll step on it. You'll hurt yourself. Obviously when you're shoveling, you don't throw stuff or you're going to get it on people and don't sling it around without paying attention or you're going to hit somebody. Um, and it's not comfortable. I've been hit in the head with a shovel before and it's not <laughs> good. So I would tell you that like what you talked about there for a minute is like, what is the root cause of that? So uh, one of my friends, he wrote a book called the inner matrix and it's talking a lot about there's only, there's really only at the end of the day, two main emotions that we can live out of. And that is love or fear. And when we're in fear, it's either fight, flight, or freeze. And most of the time when it comes to the fear around money, it really is fight, flight, or freeze. And that could be, well, we just hoard all our money because we don't know anything to do with it. Um, flight could be, uh, I'm just going to spend it and not do anything with it. Or fight is, well, you, everything that you go to to invest in, you're not ever going to go at it at a, a mindset of, hey, how is this going to work for me? But more of, hey, this doesn't work and I'm going to prove why. Um, and so getting to the root causes of the fear of money and where you're seeing scarcity in your mindset. And I'm excited for this conversation because I actually, as you know, somebody who's in the world of finance every single day, we still operate out of it. And I just went through a, a big portion of that over the last uh, month, so to say. So this will be a fun conversation today. I really like what you guys both brought up about understanding. So I was meeting with a member of ours who's also a close friend I've known a long time. And he was explaining to me kind of his New Year's thinking. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but we're early on in 2024 and I am stoked about what is possible. The conversations we're having, the engagement we're having with other people, seeing their light, their eyes light up and go, oh, I've never thought about it that way. That is, to me, makes what we get to do the greatest job in the world because we're not telling anybody to do anything. We're getting to introduce and let them decide what they think about it. So his word was, for 2024, was think. He said, Brandon, I know that sounds simplistic, but that's really what I want to do new situation comes along, I want to be sure that I've created the ability to stop and think about this thing if it intrigues me. And I also want to be able to stop and think if it doesn't intrigue me, why? So I can confidently move on. What you just described there as far as uh, fight, flight, or freeze is what you really see him doing is making a conscious choice. New things come come into his life or something he's already interested in that he wants to go, wants to go deeper on. He stops and thinks about it. And, and that, then, and that is a place from abundance, not fear. He's yes. taking the abundance route of saying, Hey, if something comes along, I want to be able to pause and have the abundant mindset of, Hey, I can either do this and here's why I do this and, and what's going to happen and all the things from it. Or, Hey, I realize that it doesn't align with my investor DNA or my sole purpose, and it's just going to hurt my mindset. So I'm not going to do it. So that is from a place of protected abundance, not of fear. 
I'm going to bring out a big word, but we're going to simplify it. We all have cognitive bias in our life. So if we simplify it with think in this example, what we're really saying is, is I'm aware there are things I don't know. I'm aware there are things I do know that I believe in that I'm concrete on. And I'm also aware there are things I don't know that I don't know. Which hurts my brain when I say that. But the reality is it's so far out there, we've not connected to it in a way that we could begin to realize we don't understand it and want to begin to understand it. So this cognitive bias thing, guys, talk to me about how cognitive biases occur. And I'm just going to kind of give a little soft toss in the baseball world of it has a lot to do simplistically with our internal factors inside our house and where we operate daily and our external factors where we go out daily into the world. Y'all, y'all dive into that. So cognitive bias, the reason why that is such a struggle is because we are wired for comfort. And when our biases are being confirmed, that's a really easy space to live in. Um, when we think about the opposite of cognitive bias, it's really pressing into cognitive dissonance. And I, I've, I've said this before, you know, unlearning is so much more difficult than learning. And this cognitive dissonance, it really starts to occur when we start to, you know, that when we, when we unlearn something, um, and that creates mental discomfort. Well, we're wired for comfort. So as soon as we start to feel discomfort, we've got this, um, this defense mechanism that kicks in, you know, and pushes us back, pushes it back across. So when new evidence is presented to us, our first defense is going to be disbelief. And, and I think that's really important for what your buddy was talking about is like, when I'm going to be faced with, with a decision or with information or something like that, instead of pushing it away and, and moving back into comfort, I'm actually going to press into that. I'm going to press into discomfort. That's really what it means to be willing to think about something because the easy decision is to move back to what we know and not press into the unknown. So Brock, Nate said something there that was really powerful on the dissonance and understanding it. And he used this word easy. Okay. Because comfort is wrapped in easy wrapping paper makes us feel comfy because we're familiar with it but what we also know that's really the deeper truth is that ease does not normally go with the success that we envision for our life yep the discomfort and the leaning into the dissonance so i looked up dissonance while we we're sitting here just to be sure i was thinking right it's two conflicting beliefs and you're trying to choose which one and the reality is, is that happens in the world we live in today with the thousands of things we look at and consume. There's probably the opportunity to ping pong back and forth between I believe that, I don't believe that, I believe that, I don't believe that. I don't even know what the number is. 
it's probably thousands of times, especially if you're guilty. I'm not going to point any fingers, but I'm talking to myself for sure of getting caught in the scrolling matrix. Yes, no, yes, no. And if you really evaluate that and you think all you're doing is confirming your dissonance or going, ooh, that pushes back against it. Am I going to lean into that or am I going to say that's a scam or I'm going to move on? And the reality is, is discomfort often is the greatest way to grow in an area that could benefit us the most. So how does fear and discomfort work in things that you've seen? Maybe even a real life experience with other business owners or yourself to where fear can become crippling in a way that can affect things well beyond just one decision. Yeah. So that's a great question because I actually just went through this um, and my team always laughs at me and, and how much, but I got to say that I'm one, thank you for telling me what that word means. Cause that was a big word. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. what that was. Uh, <laughs> I and, had to look it up. To, and to you, um, Nate, I've got a my fifth book on the list this year to read is called Deliberate Discomfort. So mm. thanks for reminding me of that book that's to come. Uh, but the first thing that we have to realize is, so there's a book that I'm reading right now called Who Not How. And in Dan Sullivan's Strategic Coach, they talk about three or four freedoms, time, money, purpose and relationships, I believe are the four. And right now uh, we're on, uh, I'm learning about time. Um, and the biggest thing that I realized was when you, it, I'll just bring it back to my life. So I run a very fast paced um, business. I've got a lot of people that uh, want my time and attention, both in my financial company and in the real estate companies and in and, and the in-between and nonprofits and church and stuff. And what I began to notice was the faster I got, the more that I did, the less I got to be able to show up for people in the less powerful ways that I was there for people and the less uh, I was able to actually give actual attention and focus to these people. And one of our, one of our absolute biggest um, and greatest gifts is attention and focus. Mm. And the fear for me was, Oh, well, you know, if I pay somebody, well, then I to handle all my stuff for me. Well, then I, I'm one, I'm not going to be able to control it. So it's going to be out of my hands. It's not going to be at the level that I want. It's not going to be the things that I want. And then I'm going to have to trust that it gets done. And, and lastly is, hey, I'm dishing out this money. What if it doesn't work out? Or what if I just lose all this money? But at the end of the day, I had I had to tell myself, all right. I've been living in fear and uh, Garrett, I was having a one-on-one -on -one call with him and I was telling him like, man, I think I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and just do it. And he stopped me right there and he said, dude, the way that you are talking about the things that you're wanting to accomplish is the reason why you're having so much trouble because I was living in a place of fear. He said, like, we all know we probably haven't done it, but if you bite a bullet, it's probably going to hurt. <clears throat> that is that is not the discomfort that you're going for. So how do you change your words around, hey, I do want this. This is where I'm going. This is why I'm adding this person to my team. This is how I'm going to grow, right? And you're coming from more of a place of abundance because at the end of the day, there's only two things that are going to happen after I hire this person. One, I know what I'm going to do next time when I hire another assistant. And 
I'm going to know things that I'm going to do differently. I may have lost a little bit of money, but I probably saved a little bit of time somewhere. Or this is going to work out really well, and I'm not going to have to think about it. I'm going to have all my time back. I'm going to have freedom to be in the relationships that I want to be in, have the freedom of money, have the freedom of time, have the freedom of purpose. So I think when it comes to when you are living in these world of fear, when it comes to your money, you've got to address it head on and say, hey, I'm going through a big situation right now with my finances, whether that's budgeting, your cash flow management, making the decision on investments or life insurance or any type of insurance and sitting down and saying, hey, the way that I'm looking at this right now, am I talking about it? Am I thinking about it in a way that is fear-based and scarcity mindset? Or am I thinking about it more in a powerful way, life-giving way, in an abundant way to produce better results in my life? I think one thing that's really important, you know, uh, us sitting here right now, we're all believers, we're followers of Christ. And so for other believers that are out there, you know, one thing that we have to recognize is where fear comes from. Ultimately, fear doesn't come from the Lord. And so when we start to experience fear, we have to recognize the fact that our enemy is out to get us. Like the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy. And so, um, we have a real enemy that is trying to steal our joy every day. And I am preaching to myself right now. <laughs> I would, I'm going to add to that. So, um, wholeheartedly believe that in, so I have a note to self that I read every single day. And one of the parts that I've had to put in there, because like you, Nate, we're preaching to ourselves here, um, is that I move past doubt and fear and into confidence and humility because of what you said and what the Bible says of, he has not given us a spirit of fear but one of power, love, and self-control. And so if we can live in that world, if we can understand it and know that that's the truth, then why not do it and live in it? Guys, this is good stuff. What I really enjoyed about what we get to do, and I like to emphasize this anytime we are talking about anything with anyone, is one of the beauties of getting uncomfortable. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Brock up. Brock did not want to start a podcast. <laughs> But if you were to watch his body language from episode one to today, it's obvious he's more comfortable. And, and what I'm really wanting to make the impact here of leaning into thinking and discomfort is that you then become comfortable and more in tune with what you're doing to then look for the next thing to grow in, which becomes this repetitive, healthy cycle, hopefully, of... I'm going too fast. I need to slow down. And this is why. Because if you were to tell anyone watching and listening to this, you can have exactly what vehicle you want to have and you can drive down the highway as fast as you want with no repercussions. They would say, sign me up. That's awesome. Sounds great. But what Brock alluded to, what Nate's mentioned, what I've experienced is here's the truth. The faster we drive, sometimes the less our tire tread is on the road, which means the less traction we have, which means that sometimes we can get out of control. So what Brock alluded to a while ago that really Garrett helped bring him back into about biting the bullet and how that's really 
in the gap thinking, if we want to go gap in the gain and Dan Sullivan stuff, is this reality that, no, I want to be in a vehicle that I feel good about. It's going down the highway at a speed that I control to the best of my ability, good Lord willing, okay, that allows me to take in the things that matter to me the most, the sun, the wind, the breeze. If I want to take an exit just because I want to, to go visit some friends and spend time with quality family, I can because this tool of money has created the ability to do so, to live a life of more purpose. Really what we're talking about. And no way, shape, or form, it does not matter how we dice it, money or fear or lack of or understanding or lack of or our mindset or lack of of money will be a thread that will flow through our life till the day we die, no matter what medium it is. The real question is, is it going to get us to the ability to drive down the road? And if I want to go 45, I can because I want to soak in the sunlight for that day and just be present in that moment. And every single conversation that we get to be a part of together, separately, doesn't matter. There is a resounding theme about money that comes up. They want it to create a life that they feel on fire and passionate about that will let them be living in a way that they know fills their cup and they feel really good about. And the cool thing is, is almost everybody I've ever talked to, Nate's talked to, Brock's talked to, it's not take, take, take. It's if I can get this money to do what I want it to for me in a way that's efficient, I can give more. I can give more attention, more presence, more focus. And I think that's a thing that this hustle culture and this idea of go, 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 go all the time is creating in an unhealthy way is because you can't slow down and really smell the roses to use an old saying and thought process. You can't go. I had a buddy show up out of nowhere. And instead of working today, I could spend four hours just visiting. Nate, I saw you nodding your head earlier. You got a thought that's bouncing around. Well, you were talking about flying down the road it reminded me of a, of a story so when i was in in high school when we were when we were in high school um prom was right around the corner i didn't want to go to prom it just wasn't my thing <clears throat> but uh there was a girl who liked me and wanted it always to comes go back to me. a girl wanted to go with <laughs> me and so she talked to my mom and my mom figured out a list of uh, basically a list of different ways that she could bribe me into going. And so she covered, she, she paid for everything. Um, and on t- my mom did not, not the girl. <laughs> um, I was about to call you a jerk. <laughs> the, the thing that sealed the deal for me was she said, you can drive Mr. Ed's car. Now that was her boss's husband and he had a brand new Pontiac Trans Am with uh, ground effects and an aftermarket chip in it. Like it was legit. And so when she said you can drive Mr. Ed's car, I was like, okay, sign me up. Let's go. So when I go to pick up his car, he was a really, really laid back, really cool guy. He said, he hands me the keys. He said, I don't care how fast you drive it. Just don't drink and drive. Those were his words to me. And, uh, well, I mean, I didn't drink anyway, so that, was, that wasn't that was a concern. So 
after prom's over and everything's all said and done, I go and take the girl home and I'm on my way back home and I hit straight away on nine, by the way, which is right in front of your parents' house yep. that you grew up on, uh, grew up in. So, um, I hit this straight away and I'm like, let me, let me see what this thing can do. And I get up to about 140 and I, I feel like I'm floating on the road. Um, and then this dog runs out in front of me. Um, now fortunately it wasn't, it wasn't so quick that I couldn't avoid it. Um, but it scared me to death. And when you were talking about that, it reminded me of that story because the reality is when we get, if we eventually you're going to have a turn, you're going to have something that's going to have to, you're going to have to make adjustments for. And the faster you're going, the less control you have. Mm -hmm. As my uh, eighth grade small group guys would say, Nate, you got that riz, bro. You got that riz. <laughs> um, I, you know, we're hip. Yeah. One of those things, Nate, kind of to wrap it up at the end there of what you were saying is we can go fast, as fast as our finances in life will allow us. But what we need to be able to do is build a plan that works under any and all circumstances. So if we do need to make changes, which is invariably going to happen because life is not linear, it changes all the time, we can be able to protect against the things that come to us, come at us to maneuver our life in a way that we can take advantage of change rather than being pressured by that change. The key thing that jumped out in these conversations, and we're going to expand on this, I'm thinking probably in the next episode about where are our triggers related to financial fear? Because that can really help us dive into, okay, that's a trigger. I'm aware of it now. I recognize it. How do I react to it quicker? Nate and I have really been honing in on that. We'll share some tidbits on how to do that. Garrett did it with you, having people around you who will call you out in a loving way, but it's genuine because they're like, no, you're headed into the gap. How long you want to live in the mud and think like that? Or you want to change your thinking? Uh, but it, I'll finish with this. It reminds me of the Japanese culture and the when Toyota was and still is one of the most uh it's one of the vehicles that is known for long-lasting building and uh, how well it's made. And in their culture, any time in the Toyota factories that someone would quit, retire, leave, uh, be disgruntled, didn't matter, they would always say, and I'm paraphrasing here, basically, this is good. What is it able to teach us? No matter what. And so it either is happening to us or for us. That's really the simple way to look at it. And if it's going to be something that is a blessing in our life, we have to be able to frame it in that way to where we can be driving down that highway to adjust along the way and feel good about it as we drive down that highway of life and the vehicle that we want to. So uh, really good stories, Nate. I'd never heard that story about going 140. So uh, as Brock said, you got the Riz. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. I'll have to look up what that means. I have no clue. I don't clue. even know what but, that means. <laughs> yeah, I think it has to do with like swag. And, yeah. Uh, okay. You, oh, okay. You can, you gotcha. can charm the girls. So Okay. Job. You got the Riz. I'm, all right, I'm so learning all this. We hope we got the Riz for those that that means anything to. For those that it doesn't, you know, we're just here to share as much as we can about how you can keep more of what you earn in a genuine way so that you can learn how to 
use it in ways that benefit your life and your goals. Thank you for being here today. If you have any questions or you like what we're doing, hit those like, subscribes, follow buttons, whatever out there on the interwebs that allows you to boost the algorithm. We would appreciate it if it's beneficial to you. If you got any questions, send us an email to cashflowlegends with a Z at gmail.com. And we really look forward to the next opportunity we have to provide value in any way we can.